Our future is closer than we think. Our needs are growing, and so is the demand for energy, including more U.S. oil and natural gas. Our economy, our security, our nation all run on energy. Oil and natural gas make up more than 70% of the energy we use every day. And American energy is produced to among the highest environmental standards in the world. It's time to shine a light on the policies that threaten a reliable energy future. Policies like restricting access to U.S. oil and gas leases, limiting U.S. liquefied natural gas, and canceling pipeline projects. The realities we face are clear. American energy is America's advantage. Tell Washington we need smart policies today to ensure a brighter tomorrow. Visit lightsonenergy.com. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunday edition of the We Are podcast on the DK Sports Radio Network. This is your host, Jared Prugar, and... You know, there there aren't very many words I can say. I do believe that we can say uh, Penn State football is the pit of misery so far this season as they lose again, uh, this time to Maryland. Only the third loss to Maryland in program history, a series that dates back all the way to 1917. I'm not a math major, but that's a long time to only have three wins against a single program. This This matchup between the two teams has been so one-sided. In fact, they no, the Terrapins had only scored six points against Penn State in their last three games leading up to Saturday night or Saturday afternoon's matchup against the Nittany Lions only to get that total six plays into the game as as Talia Tagovailoa dominated Penn State defensively. He or Penn State, he dominated against the Penn State defense, throwing three uh, first-half touchdowns, rushing extending plays uh, at, at great times as they exploded to a 28-7 first-half lead. Now, Sean Clifford struggled mightily early. He did not look good. His, his throws were off. His receivers dropped passes. And his offensive line, I think they forgot what it meant to block. So he spent quite a bit of time on his back, seven sacks on the night, and that's tough. It, re- it reminds me very much of James Franklin's early tenures, the early years when Christian Hackenberg was his quarterback, and Hackenberg spent more time looking up at the blue sky and the lights than he did um, down the field and throwing passes. And I think that's what is shocking to me is that for as good as everybody thought this team was, they were ranked in the top ten coming into the season they expected a good year, and, and right now you're just getting terrible, terrible football, and it's ugly. It's embarrassing. Penn State should not be a team that loses by multiple scores to Maryland, if at all. Heck, they even lo- they only lost once to them during the sanction area where they had less than the full allotment of scholarships, and it, even then it was a close game, not the the 35 to 19 variety that we had today. So, I mean, the good news for Penn State is I really don't think that there is any good news. Um, the more I think about it, 
because uh, talking to to players after the game, it seems like the the issues run deeper than just the performance on the field. You know, there there are a lot of distractions going on in the world right now, as as everybody I think knows, and it and it's it's unfair to to the world to to blame the football issues on that and vice versa. But I think to be perfectly honest with you, those distractions are becoming what what are fractures for Penn State in the locker room and the in the unity that they, they have. They have this Penn State United campaign, but really I don't see the locker room as being as being united. I see it as being divided. You have a group of guys that that are not committed. They're not bought in. Uh, some players taking plays off, you know. And when you have that, and you're not working to the same goal, it's it's a very difficult situation to overcome. Now, I will say this: there were some bright spots. Parker Washington scored two touchdowns, and Jahan Dotson also played considerably well, going over a hundred yards. Uh, for the second game in a row. So getting that production from your wideouts is good. Now, I will say that it should be taken with a grain of salt because in the fourth quarter, Maryland backed off on defense, especially late as Penn State scored um, their final touchdown. But it's just a microcosm of the season. They, there's just been no offensive rhythm in the first half. The running game is is struggling mightily. Now, when, you have, when you're on your third, fourth-string running backs – you know that's not good. It's not. It's not conducive to the success of the program, and when your offensive line can't block, it's tough. You know, schematically, it's it's a lot different than last year. I am watching the the trickle down effect of the Joe Moorhead offense under Ricky Ronnie, and now Kirk Shiraka is bringing his own style of of offense in, and there really just hasn't been a great mesh yet. And I don't know that it's going to get much better. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, as we as we get further into the season, it's there's just a lot and a lot to digest um, early in, in the early going here. With like zero and three for the first time in the conference play since two thousand four, and that was the Zach Mills era. It was that was an ugly time for Penn State football, um, performance wise on the field. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. You, you would expect a, a solid performance second half against Ohio State that they would be able to bounce back and play well against Maryland, and they just weren't able to do that. And it was very disappointing to watch. It was just it was just not the typical brand of Penn State football that you see uh, from a James Franklin coach team. You know, you give up the first half. You give up. Tagovailoa had 282 total yards and three touchdowns with almost 90% of those yards coming in the first half. The Penn State defense pitched a shutout in the second half. The issue was a Sean Clifford turnover, and that was the lone blemish in the score column for the Nittany Lions in the second half. You know, you give up a, a scoop and score for the uh, for the Terrapins, and this game's obviously a little bit closer than what it seems. Um, you know, now it's it's twenty eight to nineteen, or it, it, then you force Penn State to actually kick an extra point today, which. You know, they didn't do in their last two tries. So it's just one of those dynamics. Now, Clifford looked terrible at times in the second half, too. Even even with putting up gaudy numbers, he did finish with 340 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. But the issue is the, the interceptions and taking care of the football. Obviously, it's it's difficult um, when you're on your back quite a bit and when you're scrambling and trying to make plays that really aren't there. Um, so I think he's got to mature as a decision maker in the pocket, 
um, and in the in the run game as well. But it was just one of those situations where, you know, the Penn State secondary gets torched again. You know, uh, two two crossing routes by Raheem Jared Jarrett. Sorry, I, I thought that he had a great name, and I unfortunately added the wrong letters. But it, two touchdowns, five receptions. So he's scoring. He scored a touchdown on on two fifths of his, you know, his receptions on the day, and for 144 yards. Uh, and they were on crossing routes. How as a as a defense, you know, you have to stay home and stay stay gap sound and stay principled, and and you're not getting that defensively from Penn State. Um, in the secondary. Now give credit to, to Maryland. They played Penn State rather well um, in the first half. They did everything that they needed to do to get the job done. They had tight coverage. And that was apparent in, in the several pass interference that they, uh, penalties that they, they earned. So they made Penn State earn the yards. And, and in the first half, the Nittany Lions just weren't able to do it. Our future is closer than we think. Our needs are growing, and so is the demand for energy, including more U.S. oil and natural gas. Our economy, our security, our nation all run on energy. Oil and natural gas make up more than 70% of the energy we use every day. And American energy is produced to among the highest environmental standards in the world. It's time to shine a light on the policies that threaten a reliable energy future. Policies like restricting access to U.S. oil and gas leases, limiting U.S. liquefied natural gas, and canceling pipeline projects. The realities we face are clear. American energy is America's advantage. Tell Washington we need smart policies today to ensure a brighter tomorrow. Visit lightsonenergy.com. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now in the second half, Penn State comes out of the gate. They get the ball at the half. You know, it, it's it's 28 to 7. If they get into a situation where they can score there, it's going to be 28 to 14. It, it's all you have to do is force a turnover. You're, it's, it's now a two possession game. But first drive of the half, and Clifford gets hit, fumbles the football, scoop and score. And and you look at just the statistics for, for Sean Clifford, 27 of 57. So, you know, a lot of those incompletions were not anywhere close. It, it, it's just as simple as that. So it, it's one of those situations where, okay, do you need to make a, a quarterback change? And James Franklin said after the game that it really wasn't an option. Um, 
even though Will Levis has some playing time, not extensive, and, and mostly in garbage time and mop-up duty uh, and his own little package against Indiana. But Clifford's performance was not good enough, in my opinion, to see the field. Uh, I thought that the offense could have used a spark. Not saying that Will Levis could have done any better, um, but it couldn't have gotten much worse. Um, but uh, James Franklin, after the game, more or less said, we're sticking with our starting, starting quarterback. And and he's right. At the time, you know, you think that you come out of the half, you have an opportunity to go down and score and to get some momentum going your way. Um, and And it didn't happen. So I don't, I don't quite get it. There are a couple other decisions throughout the game that I really didn't understand as well. Uh, early in the game, they went for it on fourth down, down near down seven nothing, um, and and went for it on fourth down without other than kicking a field goal, um, or rather than kicking a field goal, and and that was a questionable call, uh, in my opinion, because I think you just want to get points, uh, and then the two touchdowns later, um, you know when the scores. 28 to 13 they go for two and I don't know what analytics are telling you I I'm not an analytically driven type of guy when it comes to football uh decisions um but I'm taking the the guaranteed points now now you do have two kickers um that obviously are are fairly decent at kicking the ball at this level when Jordan Stout and Jake Pinniger and they it just wasn't you know, a, a situation to be seen. Um, and then you miss the extra point or the two point conversion and you have to go and get it again. And, uh, on this, on the third touchdown and it, and it just didn't work out. Um, so, so those are a couple of the decisions that I thought were questionable, but the biggest thing for me is that what is going on with this Penn state team? Uh, I know I talked about this in the first segment, but if there are players that are not in it for the team and they're not in it for anybody other than, you know, that the the Penn State Nittany Lions, then that's a situation that really could get out of hand quickly. Now, there, there are obviously a lot of distractions. You have Micah Parsons who opted out because of, um, you know, he wanted to get make himself better. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, and, and that's great. You can't turn down that type of money. Um, and with a, with a young family, with a, with a young son, uh, you can't not – fault him for that. Um, now journey Brown's out uh, with a medical condition and you know, how many of these guys are, are fully bought in because this is essentially a lost season. Um, obviously they're playing, obviously they're, their records and, and this, that, and the other thing, but everybody has the same eligibility next year that they have this year. So if you're a redshirt junior, you're a redshirt junior, your, your eligibility is not impacted at all by this season. So it essentially becomes, you know, a situation where how many of these guys actually want to be here? Um, how many of these guys want to go through it every day? And Penn State has a young team. We talked about it last week. And it's just one of those situations where youth will be served, but it's the inexperience and lack of attention to detail is just dramatically killing Penn State. They had three false start penalties. Now, to put that in perspective... Michigan was forced to call a timeout before they even ran their first play last season um, in a whiteout game. There, <laughs> there are a handful of fans, maybe maybe a couple hundred if that, um, when it's all said and done, and they're mostly um, parents, parents and families of players and coaches. So 
it's a situation where there's no reason for there to be false starts, especially at home. The cardboard cutouts, I couldn't hear them today. I, they, they, I do believe that they left early. Uh, there was a cardboard cutout car line out uh, in the tailgate lot um, after the, the fourth touchdown of the first half for, for the Terrapins. But all joking aside, that's the type of thing that's inexcusable. You can't have three false starts at home. You can't have those types of penalties that when your offense is barely going forward as it is. And that's the that's the type of situation that Penn State has to drastically avoid. Now, the running game. Oh, man. Um, where do you even start? Um, you know, Devin Ford, nine carries, 36 yards today. But as a whole, the... Penn State running game has just been non-existent. No, don't get me wrong. Like we said before, they're down Journey Brown. They're down Noah Kane. Their first two running backs coming into the season. They're down a third running back in Ricky Slade, who transferred last year or after last year to, to Old Dominion. So essentially your top three backs from last year are non-existent. Now you do have Devin Ford, and Devin Ford is, is good, but he's no Journey Brown. He's no Noah Kane, hence why Kane was the starter. Now, Keziah Holmes had a good game, and and I guess that would be taken with a grain of salt. Nine carries for 29 yards. He averaged 3.2 a carry, with his longest being 10 yards. So, you know, 94 yards as a team, you can't win games when you're rushing for under 100 yards as a team. Now, sacks don't help. However, it's one of those situations where you just got to be able to move the football. And when teams know that you can't run the football and they're daring you to to run it against them and and playing man coverage like uh, Maryland was, was doing, you know, you're going to get beat, and you're going to get beat pretty bad. Um, and credit to, to Maryland. Mike Loxley's got a great uh, – got a good team this year. Uh, obviously great quarterback play, great receiver play. Um, and the defense held Penn State to 19 yards. This is uh, – what could be a high-powered offense if they if it all clicked? So you know, credit to to Maryland where it's due. They're two and one in Big Ten play. Penn State's zero and three. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, you think that maybe uh, yeah, Penn State will be in in one of the good games uh, in championship week. And at this point in time, I don't think that they're going to finish any higher than than fifth in their own division in the Big Ten East. You know, you have a game against Nebraska. They're winless. Um, followed by a trip to or coming back home, um, and it's just one of it's just a situation where uh, can they win? And I don't know that they're going to be able to do it. Um, you've got, like I said, Nebraska next, followed by um, a home game against Iowa. Now Iowa's one and two. Nebraska's. Oh, and two. They were supposed to play Wisconsin last week, but COVID uh, canceled that. And then they go back on the road to Michigan, who lost again uh, today to Indiana. So, you know, it's not like Penn State's played slouches of teams to start, but I don't see it getting any better. Uh, I know there was optimism last week, but just the way that, that this team has played and this the way that this team has res- responded and, and rebounded or lack thereof it's very alarming, and I don't know that it's going to get any better. So it'll be very interesting to see how they handle it. You're going to Nebraska, which is normally a pretty tough place to play, but there are no fans. It's 11 
a.m. It's an 11 a.m. kick local time, 12 p.m. kick on the East Coast. So how are you going to handle that flight? How are you going to handle that that long trip? Now, Indiana, it's about an eight-hour trip from, from Happy Valley, maybe nine hours at the most. It's a short flight, short jaunt. This is a long, this is a, uh, you're flying to the middle of the country in Nebraska. You're flying to the Midwest, the, or the, really the middle of the country. So your backs are against the wall at 0-3. You're looking for your first win, and so too are, are the Cornhuskers. Who's going to come ready to play? But until then, I wish you all the best. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to the We Are podcast on DK Sports Radio. This has been your host, Jared Prugar. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.